This is a summary of the first Sikha Parshas Vayelach, Vayelach, Lekutei Sikhois, Chelek Yud Dalid. In this week's Parsha, we learn about the mitzvah of Hakel, the very special mitzvah of Hakel, where all of the Jewish people are told to gather. Anoshim, Anoshim, Batav, men, women, children, all of the Jewish people to the Beis Hamikdash to hear the king read the Torah to them from the Book of Devarim, and it's essentially a reenactment of the giving of the Torah, and the king represents Hashem, and he reads the Torah, and everyone learns to fear God in this very powerful event where all of the Jewish people are found and they gather together on this momentous occasion, the year after Shemitah, essentially once every seven years, the mitzvah of Hakel. The Rebbe in this talk brings in a not a very not famous Tesefta, obscure Tesefta, very interesting. And the Tesefta says that the day of Hakel, which is the second day of Sukkot, the first day of Cholamoyed Sukkot, the Kohanim used to go around all the areas of Yerushalayim, in the Gedorim and the Pritzais, they used to go to the gateways and to the city and to the breaches and the walls and all over Yerushalayim with trumpets of gold in their hands and they used to blow all the different forms of blowing in order that everyone should gather to the base Hamikdash. And the Tesefta says that whichever Koyin was not participating in this activity of going around Yerushalayim, blowing trumpets, getting everyone to come, everyone says, it would seem that this person is not a Koyin. Very interesting Tesefta. And the question is, what does it mean? What does it mean? And, and apparently, this is what it means to be a Koyin. Because this is not an expression you find regularly. It's very un- unusual to find us make this statement that it would seem that you're not a Koyin. Strong words. Imagine someone says, it would seem that you're not Jewish. We do have such a thing. If someone's Achzari, if someone is cruel, we say that we suspect whether they're Jewish or not. Um, where does it come from? Where was this idea? He's blowing trumpets. What's... So we have to go to the mystery, the deeper question, what does it mean to be a Kayan? And luckily, lucky enough, coming up, the, the, parsha, the last parsha of the Torah, very soon after Bayelach, is Parsha Zois HaBracha, where Moshe blesses each of the 12 tribes. And he really describes their mission in life, if we go deep enough, deep, deep enough into the blessing. And when he gets to the tribe of Levi, which of course is presented primarily by the Kahanim who come from the tribe of Levi, he opens up saying the great reward that they have the high priest. He says why they earned this reward because they were loyal to Hashem, connected to Hashem, even when the rest of the Jews served the golden calf, they were strong. And then it begins to list his role, now his chosen role. And he opens up, the Pasuk opens up, Moshe Rabbeinu opens up, Yasimu Ketayra, that you will offer the incense in the base Hamikdash. The incense. That's the first thing. It mentions more things afterwards. You'll bring the burnt offerings and, 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 and a list of things. A number of things. But the very opening, and as an item onto its own, even though there are so many things that happen in the base Hamikdash. And what's the first thing he mentions? And as a distinct thing is, Yasimu Ketoyras, 
that you offer the incense. So it would seem, and this is how the Rebbe approaches it, and that's become one with the Rebbe's approach and, and, and understand what he's saying. The Rebbe says that somehow in Ketoides, we can understand the job of a Kayin. What does it mean to bring Ketoides? Now, the truth is, there's two Ketoides. What Ketoides are we talking about? There's the Ketoides that is offered every day of the year, the incense offering every day of the year, not in the Holy of Holies, but in a place called the Kodesh, which is before the Holy of Holies. There's an altar, Bechazov, where they offer it every day. And then there's the ultimate one on Yom Kippur, the highlight of the Yom Kippur experience. So the truth is, Rashi says in, in, in simple text of the Chumash, we're actually in this context, in this Pasuk, talking about the incense every day. However, the Sifri takes it further. The Sifri says that it's primarily going on Yom Kippur, the one on Yom Kippur. And the question that we want to know is, what is the meaning of Ketoides in general and, and Yom Kippur, especially according to the Sifri that's going on Yom Kippur? And how does this capture who a Koyehain is and their role and mission on earth? So the guide for the perplexed, the Rambam, who's the guide for the perplexed of all generations, he has a very interesting section in his book, Meir Nebuchim, his philosophy book. In the third book, he has an entire section, many chapters, where he goes through all of the commandments of the Torah, all 613 commandments, and gives you extremely rational explanations for each mitzvah. His explanations are so rational that many people are horrified by the explanations that he gives. They say, is this really the whole mitzvah? You're telling me you're boiling it down to this, that it's this, this, it's this very, it's trying to inculcate this and it's trying to go against this. He's turning everything into a very logical and very sometimes ridiculous, not ridiculous, but uh, too, sim it's too simple, too, it's not profound enough. And Chassidus actually explains that there's actually a few ways to approach what the Ramah Mavadir is doing. One of them is that the Torah is so true that on every layer of reality, it's the truth. In other words, Torah is not only for the world to come, true on a spiritual level. There's no layer of reality and there's no milieu in society that you go to where the mitzvah of the Torah is not going to be relevant and transformative and uh, and effective for that place. So what the Ramam over there is doing is that the truth is on even on the lowest level of society and culture and 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 uh, and the world, even over there, the the reason of the Torah is still the truth. There's that way of explaining it, and then there's even a deeper way, is that actually, he's actually hinting to much more profound ideas perhaps that expresses itself in very low things, like we were said a moment ago, that even in the lowest, it's the truth. But there's, there's contained within that, you can find the mystery of something more profound. What does the Rambam tell us in Meir Nebuchim, the reason for the mitzvah of Ketairas, of offering the incense? So the Rambam says that there's all kinds of horrible smells in the Beis HaMikdash. You're burning you know, the, the, the bird's feathers. There's a lot of things, uh, you know, there's a lot of stenches in the base. I mean, there's seemingly a lot of smells that would be from all the sacrifices and everything happening. And he says, we offer the incense to get rid of the negative smell to bring about a beautiful a smell and aroma in the base. I mean, that's what he writes. Now, does that capture the depth? Like I said a moment ago, the commentaries go crazy. Rabbeinu Bachaya says, Chas v'shalim, God forbid to say that this is the reason, that this is the secret of Ketairas. He says, Tamacholosh hazed, this weak reason. What is the Ramam talking about? However, what does the Ramam really referring to? So, in fact, if we open up the Holy Zohar, 
the primary book of Kabbalah, we could start to understand what the Ramam was referring to. The, the Zayar says that the Ketayres was directed towards removing the filth and the disgustingness of the Yetzirah, of the evil inclination of the ego. The ego is a disgusting thing. It's separate from Hashem. It's devoid of life. It's decay by very definition. It has no life. The only thing which has life is connected to Hashem. And therefore, the fact that it feels distinct from Hashem and it even can totally conceals over Hashem and could go to the point of telling you to go against Hashem, that is the filth that the Ketodes is coming to deal with and fight with. And it's a and, and the way this is represented in the Beis Hamikdash is that it's interesting. If you go through all the sacrifices in the Beis Hamikdash, everything is edible and everything has to be kosher. Water, wine, oil, flour, um, you name it, birds, animals, you know, within the animal. We don't offer the whole animal. We take out the excrement. We take out the parts which aren't edible. Everything we offer is edible. The only item offered in the Beis Hamikdash which is not edible is the incense. Which tells me, which tells me something. It tells me that you're trying to deal with a layer of reality, which is lower. It's not up for human consumption. It's something which is lower than that. Furthermore, one of the eleven spices used in the base Hamikdash is called chelbena, which is actually gives off a terrible smell. Smell. And famously, Rashi brings in chumash that we learned from there that unless you include even Jews who are wicked in your minion then it's not, uh, Hashem's not going to accept your offering. But in any event, what do we see? Once again, that Ketedes is dealing, the incense is dealing with a lower level and trying to bring it up to Hashem, trying to transform reality and make it a, a beautiful thing and an and, and, and offering and a sacrifice to Hashem. And that is what it, uh, it represents. Um, what is unique about the Ketedes of Yom Kippur What's unique about the Ketedes of Yom Kippur? So actually, the, there's a number of differences. The Mishnah in Yuma, uh, Mem Gimel, page Mem Gimel, goes through a number of differences. That right, B'chol Yom, every day you do it this way, Yom Kippur you do it that way. But there's one thing actually not mentioned there in the Mishnah, because it's not a question of what you do, but it's a question of what's Ma'akiv, what would be uh, considered that disqualifies on Yom Kippur, if you don't put in a special ingredient, besides for the 11 incense, you put in a special herb, which causes it to have a tremendous amount of smoke, which rises up to the hole, fills up the entirety of the room. If on Yom Kippur, if you don't do that, it disqualifies it, and you're Chayiv Misa, he's Chayiv Misa. And the Ramam brings, because it, um, it says in the Pasuk, it says in the verse, that you should bring this, um, uh, you won't die. Rather, with a cloud, you should appear before God. So, in other words, God, and if you don't, then you're going to die. Then you're chayiv misa. What, what's unique? What's the difference? What's what's special about the incense of Yom Kippur? The highlight of the Yom Kippur service. The answer is that what's the difference between Yom Kippur in general is the Yom Kippur is a time of tshuva out of love. And the Gemara says in Yuma that the difference between tshuva out of love and out of fear is that tshuva out of fear doesn't transform the negativity of your life. It just makes it forgiven that you won't be punished for it. However, when you do it out of love, it's transformative. It's transformative. And if you think about it, that's the way it works. In a relationship, when people break, have a breakthrough in a relationship, it's one thing if you bury the past and you somehow get past it. Fine. But it's another thing is when you use that to bring you to a deeper place of love, because the, you say that it, it aroused a deeper layer. You have to discover a deeper layer within yourself. Now you've transformed all the negativity that it's actually a positive thing because you're, ha you're actually happy that you sinned in a way because it brought you to this deeper relationship 
And over here, you have a deeper relationship with Hashem, a deeper love. So it's transformative. And, and it, it goes, you know, it, it soars on high. It's a positive a positive thing. So that's the difference of the Ketodos of Yom Kippur, that it has this transformative effect and it completely lifts up a person to a whole new dimension, which is why you add this new ingredient, which is ensuring that the Ketodos really rises up. It really gets out of itself, that you're not just dealing with the negativity, but in such a way that it's transformative and life-changing. How does this describe a Koyin? Because a Koyin, even though a Koyin's mission is to be is set aside for Hashem, but what's, each, what's the point of that? That's just preparation. The point of a Koyin is to come back, is to transform the Jewish people. That is the job, the mission of a Koyin. That's the mission of a Koyin. We see that in the Ketodos. The job is, to, is not to take all their spirituality and live in their own island. On the contrary, the point of the Kehanim is to, be a, to have a transformative effect on all of the Jewish people, on all of their layers to totally transform them into new beings. And that is really what's happening by Hakel, because Hakel, who comes Hakel? Not the people who are coming every year to the Beis Amigdosh. That would be represented by men who are obligated to go three times a year. Women who are exempt from going up to the Beis Amigdosh. So that means women and children, they represent people who you're not normally necessarily going to find in the Beis Amigdosh. But now they have to be brought to the Beis Amigdosh. Every Jew has to be brought to the Beis Amigdosh. Every last Jew, even a Jew who's on a low level, who needs to be aroused of fear of heaven, because the point of Hakel is to bring Jews to this level of fear of heaven. So any Kayin who's not participating in the ultimate actualization of his mission, everything he's doing in the Beis HaMikdash is trying to have this effect, right? The idea of the Beis HaMikdash is that the light should spread to the whole world. It's not about the Beis HaMikdash. The Kayin and Takas serve in the Beis HaMikdash, but their job is to bring everyone to the Beis HaMikdash. So any Kayin who's not participating in that task of bringing people to the Beis HaMikdash, you say, you're clearly not a Kayin, you missed the point. What's the point? What is the lesson for each and every one of us? Because every Jew to, is to a degree is a Kayan. We're called the king, a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of Kehanim. And therefore, every single Jew has it's his responsibility, especially if he is in a position where he could affect other Jews, that he has to get, he's not about himself. He has to get out there and transform everyone that he possibly can, uh, and starting with transforming himself, but transforming everyone else. And then you know that he's actually a Jew. He's actually a Yid who's understands his identity, understands his responsibility, understands his power, the transformative effect of Taita, that through Taita, that episode is the most powerful way to transform those around you is through Taita and specifically through Hasidus. Um, and that's how we transform the world around us and we fulfill our mission of being Kehanim in this world.